Merry Christmas and thank you for joining me for our Christmas Day, Christmas Sunday worship service. We're going to begin with hymn number 38. We'll sing verses 1 to 4 and 8 and 13 to 15. The opening verses talk about an angel coming down and telling us about the birth of the Savior. Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, 
and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading for this Christmas day is from Isaiah 52, verses 7 to 10, a reading in which, oh, Isaiah exclaims how wonderful it is when we get the opportunity, when someone comes to us and gives us the opportunity to hear about God's salvation. Isaiah wrote, How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. We'll sing verses 1 and 3 of hymn number 62, Joy to the World. Christians talks about God, the Son of God, becoming man also, the God-man and our Savior. 
In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father, or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, will set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And we'll sing hymn number 67. Let love 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. The word of God we want to consider this Christmas day is our gospel reading from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. The Apostle John wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who are our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow receivers of the greatest gift of all, a very common gift that men can often receive at Christmas time is that of a wallet. And many years ago, when I was still in high school, I can remember one time very clearly that my grandparents lived in Saginaw, we were in Milwaukee, but my grandparents in Saginaw got me a wallet, a very attractive wallet that they that they mailed to me at Christmas time. When I opened up the package, I was pretty pleased with the wallet because the wallet that I'd been using was all pretty much all worn out and ready to be tossed aside. But I looked at the wallet very briefly and thought, oh, this will be good. I'll be able to use this. But then I put it like we always did in our home. We put our gifts back under the tree so that they could be there at first. I put the wallet under the tree, but then a couple days later, I pulled out the wallet and I started to transfer the things that were in my old wallet into the new wallet. But when I did that, I got a little bit of a surprise because there in the kind of secret compartment in the wallet, there happened to be a check from my grandparents. And that check, well actually it was worth more than the wallet probably was worth. But now if you think about this story, I got this wallet and the check and 
I had the wallet and the check even though I didn't realize that I had that check in the first place because I hadn't noticed it. It was something that I hadn't known about. I, it would have been funny if I never would have looked in the secret compartment in the wallet. I had overlooked it. And now, oh, this morning, the Apostle John isn't talking about wallets or checks. And well, we probably have received our Christmas presents or maybe we will receive them this afternoon or, or in the coming days, of course. But as we wrap or unwrap presents, let's never forget with those presents, let's never forget the gift that we've always had. And well, I had that check even though I didn't realize it. And, here the sad thing is, is that people can have Jesus and not realize what he is, who he is. And John wants to tell us about the gift that we've always had in our reading for today. As we consider that gift that we've always had, well, we'll want to see that in the beginning was the word and in him is life. Well, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The phrase, in the beginning, gets us to think about the opening words to the book of Genesis. Before time began, before God created the heavens and the earth, the pre-incarnate Word, Jesus, that is Jesus the Savior, existed. He is eternal. He exists with God the Father and, well, God the Holy Spirit as well in an intimate and an inseparable relationship. They are together and, well, Jesus isn't greater than or less than the Father or the Holy Spirit, but he's one with them. In fact, as he says here, the word was God. And now here what John is doing is he's stressing that Jesus, he is the, the foundation of our confidence for our salvation and our hope for eternal life. And now only when we understand or kind of understand, I guess really that's the best we can hope for to kind of grasp what God is about, only then are we able to really appreciate what he did for us. But why is Jesus called the word? Well, just as a person's words, what they do is they reveal what a person is thinking about and, and what he is like. So also God's words, the scriptures, they rightfully reveal to us what God is thinking, what God is like. And well, since Jesus is the focal point of the scriptures, he rightfully is called here though the word, the word which became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He reveals to us what God is really like and how God feels about us. 
And now without Jesus, we could really only assume that God is this demanding judge, an angry judge, and a merciless master. But since Jesus has covered over all of our sins with his holy precious blood, we know that God is also, as he himself describes himself, he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. When we think about the creation of the world, we pretty automatically just think about God the Father as the creator. And the Bible does attribute that work mainly to God the Father, of course, but, but God the Father didn't do all the creating while God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were just sitting around and watching as the work was being done. Actually, all three persons of the Trinity were involved in that work of creating. The book of Genesis says, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and, and now the Apostle John here says, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The Son of God, together with the Holy Spirit, and especially God the Father, created all things. And the Apostle Paul, he says, by him all things were made, were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So see, no one and nothing in the universe can measure up to the Savior's greatness and his supremacy. Oh, here it is, it's Christmas, and it seems to have come on so quickly this year, but, well, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. So why, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, is the Apostle John here so stressing the deity, the almighty power, and the eternal existence of the baby born in Bethlehem. And the reason for that actually is clear. We have these images of the cute baby Jesus with his face shining when he's placed there in that manger in the barn in Bethlehem. And that image, of course, glorified image, his face didn't shine like that. He looked like a normal baby, probably a very ruddy complexion as he was first born. Because he was born in a barn, how clean was he actually? Well, we get that image of that cute baby born in a barn, but what we need to do is get past those cute baby pictures and remember that Mary and Joseph, what they did is they placed the Son of God in that manger. And far too many people in our world forget or even reject that wonderful fact. When Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary, he did also become 
fully human, as we confess in the Nicene Creed. But he remained also fully God, which we need to remember because no mere man could save us from our sins. No man could go to the cross and pay for the sins of the world. That had to be the God-man, who Jesus was dying there on the cross paying for our sins. And, you know, if any of us had been in Jesus' place on the cross, we couldn't have even paid for a single one of our sins. When John says here, the Word was with God and the Word was God, those are such amazing, such powerful words of assurance for us that that little baby born in Bethlehem, no matter how adorable or cute he may have been, he was and he is the true Son of God. He is true God come into our world to save us. John says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Because he came to save us, in him is life. In him is our life, eternal life. And now Jesus is also described as being the light of the world. Scripture does describe our natural spiritual condition as being in darkness or in blindness. And all we could do on our own apart from God is wander around spiritually and we could never have enough luck to ever find our way to heaven and to Jesus on our own. That's what John means when he says here, the darkness has not understood it. Those who are blinded in unbelief, they cannot and will never see Jesus as the Savior without God's help, without God working in them. We needed help from Jesus, the light of the world. And now, probably doesn't happen that terribly often, but when, when people who have been blinded, when they have operations, they have some surgery to correct the blindness, when they are first able to see again, it appears to them as if someone has turned on the lights. Turned on the light. And, well, Jesus, the light of the world, he's come into our lives through the working of the Holy Spirit in God's word and has turned on his light so we're no longer spiritually blind, so that we can see Jesus as our Savior and our way to eternal life. Our reading talks about another John, John the Baptist, who testified concerning the light of the world. It was his mission to prepare the way for the Lord to prepare the way for the word who was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. John did a good job, but still when Jesus did come, the people just weren't ready for him. John says, 
of Jesus. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Oh, the 33 years that Jesus spent here on this earth, those could not have been easy years. During that time, few people actually really understood his mission. And now see, the Jews, what they wanted is they wanted a powerful king who would get rid of Rome and make the Israelite nation a powerful nation again. And the, that's what the Jews were looking for. And so many of the people, they just didn't appreciate his message. They didn't like to be told that they were sinners who needed help, help that was not in themselves, but only in Jesus. They didn't appreciate that, and because of that, the Jewish leaders, they ended up hating Jesus, and they plotted to have him killed, and they had him killed on Good Friday. They had him crucified, but he, when he was crucified, it wasn't in defeat, in defeat. He was crucified in winning the greatest victory the world has ever seen. Oh, if Jesus had decided to wait 2,000 years and come into our world today, the result would be the same. The story would be the same. The world would, for the most part, not receive Jesus the Savior because, oh, when you think about it, the world would really like it if we'd have a Savior who could free us from social dilemmas and or end terrorism, or wars, or poverty, or, or global warming, or climate control, or whatever you want to call it. But the world doesn't necessarily, on its own, recognize that what we need is someone to free the world from the curse of sin and death. And we, like the people of John's day, of Jesus' day, we don't always appreciate his message either because there are times when God's word basically tells us that we're wrong, that we're mistaken, that we've sinned. And we don't always appreciate it. Our sinful nature actually can't appreciate it. It is only going to hate hearing a message like that. However, because Jesus died for us, John says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision of a husband's will, but born of God. Because the Holy Spirit has graciously come to us and, and worked faith in our hearts, well, we're children of our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. We have, as it says there, the full rights of sons. We have an eternal inheritance in heaven. Oh, there was a TV commercial from a number of years ago, maybe you remember it, that at first it made me want to laugh a little bit, but then it maybe wanted me to to cry a little bit. And in this TV commercial, there was a man 
who was just destroying his Christmas tree. He went at the Christmas tree and, and he was chopping off the branches from the, the bottom of the tree until he got almost up to the top and, and it doesn't look like a Christmas tree anymore. But then as the commercial went on, it revealed why he was removing all of those branches. And the reason, well, because of Meyer's low Christmas prices, he was able to buy so many Christmas presents that he needed all that room underneath the Christmas tree. And now, doesn't a commercial like that kind of get us to say that what really makes a Christmas a good Christmas is how many and what kind of Christmas presents are underneath the Christmas tree. Oh, at Christmas time I can often think of times when maybe some needy people approached me and, and said that they needed some money for Christmas so that their kids could have a, a good Christmas. And a good Christmas for them meant having presents stashed underneath the tree, having tons of presents underneath the tree, and that that's the only possible way to really have a good Christmas. Well, may we always remember that Christmas is always great for us because of the gift we have always had. was the Word, and in Him is life. Oh, when I got that wallet from my grandparents years ago, it may have been, it was very easy for me, especially at first, to miss the check that was inside. It was a gift that was mine, but it was overlooked, it was missed. I didn't take notice of it at first. As we think about our Christmas presents that we've received or will receive, let's not forget the gift we have always had. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In that Word is our eternal life. And and John, he so beautifully sums up the whole Christmas story in the one last verse in our gospel reading for today. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What's he saying? The true Son of God became also the true Son of Man to pay for our sins and to win for us eternal salvation. And in that Savior, in Him, that's the gift we have always had. May God help us so that we never overlook that gift, but always always cherish our most precious, our greatest Christmas gift, the gift we've always had 
Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And let's confess our faith with the second article and its meaning. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. All this he did that I should be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from death and lives and rules eternally, this is most certainly true. Let's pray. Almighty God, grant that the birth of your only Son in the flesh may set us free from our old bondage under the yoke of sin. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And we pray also as we, oh, as we think of celebrating Christmas, please, Lord God, help us always to be thinking about the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus, the Son of God, became also the Son of Man and our Savior and our way to heaven the greatest gift of all. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. And when we consider the weather that we're dealing with right now, we say, Lord God, please keep us all safe in your loving care. But of course, we're always going to be safe because we have Jesus. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. And in our prayers, oh, we continue to keep Don Janicki in our prayers, dealing with a stroke and, and now also dealing with COVID. And we keep Paula Burris in our prayers. She's going to be having some surgeries in January to try to deal with especially the infection she's got in her legs caused by very poor circulation in her legs. Lord God, as we think of these and all the others in our congregation with different trials and troubles, well, if it's according to your will, please grant healing, but especially keep giving them and us your grace and love, which we have because of the gift we've always had, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. Again, thank you for joining me for worship this Christmas day. I do have just a couple of announcements to share with you. Told you Don Janicki dealing with COVID right now. Tuesday is his birthday. Thursday, Victor Kunkel has a birthday. Saturday, Brett Cole has a birthday. Reminder that next Saturday evening at 6:30, we have our New Year's Eve worship service here. And the next day, New Year's Day, Regular Sunday schedule with 8 and 10.30 services, communion services that day. Oh, in our prayers, we continue to keep Diane Kennedy's sister-in-law, Brenda, dealing with COPD and being in hospice care. Todd still dealing with the neck recovery, although I think he told me I can take him off our prayer list now that I think about it. Paula, she's got some things to go through with the blockage in her legs. Um, my dad doing well. And let's see, Marvel, Paula's friend, still in hospice, and we need to keep her and, and her, her son in our prayers as they kind of deal with some tricky issues. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. The Lord bless and keep you and, and Merry Christmas.